You're listening to the Ignite Sessions podcast, hosted by Virginia Tech Chi Alpha. Our hope for this podcast is to encourage listeners to pursue God's kingdom and His righteousness. We hope you're blessed by today's episode. What's up, Chi Alpha? We're going to grab a seat. If you guys are, if, you, if it's your first time, or you haven't been back in a while, we've been in a series called On the Fear of the Lord. Anybody remember that? Anybody feel like they're learning anything about the fear of the Lord? Okay, four people. Praise the Lord. Well, I, I want to uh, continue that series tonight. And uh, because only four people have remembered something about the fear of the Lord, we'll do a little bit of a recap. Get with that? So we've been in the middle of this series on the fear of the Lord. Our first message, we talked about how the fear of the Lord is an invitation to intimacy. You guys remember this. And we looked at Exodus chapter 20, where Moses says to the people, as God had come down on the mountain, it's surrounded with smoke and fire, thunder and lightning, and they want to stay far away from this mountain. And you're like, how can we blame them, right? Because it was a scary sight. And Moses says, don't fear. God has come down to test you that the fear of him may be before you so that you may not sin against God. And the invitation was, hey, listen, come close to God and he will reveal more of his manifest power of who he is with the Ten Commandments because that was happening at the same time. It was an invitation to intimacy, to do relationship with him. And what we notice is that was always what God was about was a desire to have relationship with humanity. And so this was an invitation. We saw that this fear, the first fear talked about this, this being terrified from a place of guilt or, or shame. And the, the second fear, which is what the Israelites were walking in, right? That kind of fear. But the fear that God was coming down to test them with and to reveal to them was a, was a, a, a fear that was, speaks more of a reverence, right? A reverence that leads to obedience. And this is something that we desire to walk in. One commentator said this, fear not with what, fear not that terror which makes you shrink from the divine voice, but fear so as to shrink from that which the divine voice forbids. And the reason why God came down in this way is because he knows that a shallow view of God never leads to transformation. And this is the challenge with why we're walking through this series on the, on the fear of the Lord is because my concern is, is that we can come into rooms like this. We can grow up our whole life singing the songs and the words off the page. We can, we can go to church. We can go to Bible study. And we can walk out of those moments not ever really diving into the depth of intimacy because we have no fear of God. We have no fear of God. The Bible says that the friendship with God is reserved for those who fear him. I don't know about you, but, but I would like to know the all-powerful, almighty creator, the holy one, as a friend. Amen? <clears throat> Secondly, we looked at how the fear of the Lord leads to serving him. We talked about what you fear you will serve. You guys remember that one? And this is so big because really this is, and we'll kind of get into it a little bit again tonight, but the point is this, if you fear man, you will serve man. And so God is looking for people that will serve him. And so moving away from the fear of man into 
a healthy, holy fear of God. And we looked at Shifra and Pua. Everybody knows who they are. Now you do, right? You're like, now I know. I know where those are at, right? In, in Exodus, we saw how Pharaoh commanded them to take the lives of baby boys. They were Hebrew women. And Pharaoh started to get nervous about how the Israelite clan was growing and outnumbering them. And if they ever wanted to take over, they might be able to do it out of sheer number, right? And so Pharaoh was like, let's get rid of these people. And so let's take them out by taking care of all of the men. And so he's killing babies. But these two women, it said that they feared God and they would not obey Pharaoh. Now listen, this is what we learn, right? In order to live that way, Pharaoh was one of the most, if not the most, powerful man in the world at the time. And he gave them a direct order, and they refused to obey, which meant they could have lost their life walking in obedience to God. But God preserved their life, we, we see. And not only preserved their life, but he blessed them with families of their own. And we, we desire to be a community that fears the Lord, that, that we serve God more than we serve man, that we fear the Lord, that we have a healthy, holy reverence of the Lord God Almighty that leads to obedience. Amen? The second, I mean the third, I can count, I promise. The third uh, was we talked about how the fear of the Lord is his treasure. And we talked about how... <clears throat> Right, God, it makes sense that, that when those that fear him walk in obedience to him, that they have a, we'll get into that in a second, next one, but have a right view of God, that, that they, they walk with a healthy fear of God that leads to obedience. The Bible says this, um, if you obey my, if you love me, you'll obey my commands, right? Like this idea of this is the manifest. This is how we manifest the reality of our love for God as we walk in obedience to him. Does that make sense? And so all of a sudden we see that's why God would treasure that, right? We looked at Malachi chapter 3 and, and how the people were complaining and seeing how the pagans were being blessed. And, and all of a sudden you saw how the people didn't only want to obey because they got something out of it. And actually that's not what God intended in the first place. And we saw in that, remember in that message that, that as we fear God, we actually, it's not about what we get, but who we get. That we get closer to God, that we get intimacy with God, that this is the desire that he's always had for all of humanity to walk in intimacy with him. And so we saw that and how the, the Lord treasures the fear of the Lord. The, the next one, I, I don't know if you guys remember, but we talked about the fear of the Lord. Michelle and I came up. Basically, the idea of that message was the fear of the Lord, seeing him rightly. We can only fear the Lord when we actually have a correct view of who God is. And we talked about who he was and his, some of his attributes. You guys remember this. And we ended with Revelation chapter 1 and reading about what he was going to be like when he returned. Right? And, and all of a sudden, we went from not just worshiping and, and loving the Lamb of God, but also embracing the reality of the Lion of the tribe of Judah. Right? You guys remember that one? And, and, and the importance of that is, is because in the, the, the church in the West, we have so made Jesus just this guy who will forgive us and, and just love us, but we, we forgot that he's also just in every sin is accounted for, and he died on a cross for it, and then he's come, right? And he's coming back, right? And he's coming back not just as a lamb, but he's coming back as like this warrior, right? 
as we read in Revelation 1. And I think it's so important for us to see him rightly because the church in the West can so maybe boil him down to this God that is just super safe. But he is a God that is holy. And he calls us to be holy. Amen? And then last week... We had John Redmond give the word. Come on, give it up for Johnny. He, he brought some heat, huh? The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. He talked about how the, the, the foundation, right? The foundation, how we have to have a correct foundation in order to, to live a life correctly, right? And if that foundation needs to be Jesus, needs to be a healthy fear of God, a right view of who God is, it will only allow you to build upon that. Well, you're like, why is my life not right? Remember when he was talking about that? I loved, he talked about like oaks of righteousness. I don't want to just be a stump. I want to be the full tree. You guys remember? Come on, that was one of the best lines of the night. And I think it's so powerful for us to understand that what is the foundation of your life? What is the foundation that you're building your entire life on? Is it the reality of who God really is? Because if it's not, it's going to be faulty. If it's not, there's going to be challenges that come your way. And this is something that is so precious for us in our community and in, in, in the church at large that, that we understand what the fear of the Lord is. Right? Because when we miss it here, we miss way more than we realize. Because we've grown up in the West and we, we, we like to talk about Jesus' love. But he's so much more than love. Yes, he's love, but he's so much more. We can't limit him to that. And so tonight, I want to take us a little bit further and maybe step into a passage of Scripture and see a little bit more of what the fear of the Lord looks like in a man's life. So, Father, we just ask, God, that you would just come, pour out your spirit in this room, God. We just say we want to hear from you. We want to we be transformed by you tonight. God, would you reveal your heart? Spirit, that you would speak specifically to us and change our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. So I wanted to start with a little bonus for you tonight. Is that okay? It's a bonus because it's something that no one ever told me, and I had to find out for myself. It's this truth. And so if you are going to take notes tonight, if you have a pen, I'd pull out your pen, pull out your journal. Let me know when you're ready, and I'm going to give you this truth. Ready? No? All right, I gave you long enough. The most difficult thing, the most difficult thing you will ever do the most difficult thing you will ever do in your life is raise children. You're welcome. The most difficult thing you'll ever do is to raise children. But let me tell you this, the flip side. The most rewarding thing you will ever do is raise children. Why do I say that? Because parenting is the most difficult job I've ever had in my life, and I'm in the middle of it. Parenting is most difficult. Why? Because parenting, you need to be, you need to be consistent. 
with your discipline. You know, this, this idea of repetition, 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 like constantly being on your game. Guess what's not easy for humanity? Consistency. Consistency. And let me just tell you, kids are brilliant, and they jump on it immediately, right? Like, they're always observing where and which parent is a little bit more lenient than the other parent. They're always on it. And it's, 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 it's one of those things where no one ever told me. I remember when I wasn't sleeping for two years because my daughter, Ava, she didn't sleep. She woke up almost every night for two years from 1.30 in the morning till 4 a.m. And I would pace the floor talking to Jesus the first day. And then by the second day for the rest of the two years, I'm screaming at God, don't you love me? You know, walking back and forth. And so I, I sat down with a man who asked me the ages of my kids, Christian guy. And so I told him, you know, I remember what they were at the time. Ava was like one. And I tell him, and he goes, oh, you're in the dark ages. <laughs> and all of a sudden, like, everything, all of the weight just broke off my back. I was like, I can breathe. Someone understands me, you know? Someone understands me. And, and at the same time, I think what's so hard is, What's, what's even harder about parenting is when you are consistent and, and children still don't obey. And it, it's actually, it kind of breaks your heart. that And they, they really struggle to see and understand why you would put certain things, up, you know, certain boundaries on their life. Today I was told that I am the most strict parent on the planet. And I said, you better believe it. And it only gets worse from here. No, I'm just kidding. I didn't say that. <laughs> You're like, you are. You are the most. Why? Because there was a boundary broken. And because there was a boundary broken and I love my son so much, I refuse to let the boundary continue to be broken. And so I take the boundary further, like further, right? Like I'm going to take, or I should say bring it in closer if that makes sense, right? So now he's without certain things that he really wants. And he's the only child in all of the planet that has ever been taken, a phone has ever been taken away from, you know what I'm saying? But the truth of this and the whole reason I'm telling you this story is because he has no idea how much, how hard that is how hard it is to love someone enough to do something that is both painful when they don't understand at this point in their life. How if he would have walked in obedience, even though he didn't understand, he wouldn't have the consequences that he's walking in now. And, and when we come to our relationship with God and we understand who God is, right, we're called to obedience. We're called to obey and we don't get to have a conversation about whether or not God is right or wrong. We're, we're, we're to just go ahead and walk in obedience to, the, to, to God. Even when we don't understand, even when it doesn't make sense. Have you ever been there? Has God ever asked you to do something and you're like, man, I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know what you're really asking. I don't know why you would ask me to do that. When I got... When I came to know Jesus, uh, I was in the great state of Montana, 
And uh, come on, Montana is amazing. Everybody probably comes to know Jesus in Montana because you're just closer to God, literally. And uh, anyway, I was, I was attending this church, and I didn't see this. I wasn't there. I was sitting down with the pastors, you know, and I used to always love, I still do. I just don't get the opportunity to sit down with pastors and missionaries and ask them, like, what, what are some of the things that God has asked you to do that has just blown your mind? Or what are some ways you've seen God move that has just, like, you know, blown your mind? And so the, the pastor's wife was telling me that one day they were in this service, and they had, like, 250 people in the, in, in the congregation, and they were growing, and things were, were just really moving, and she's in the front row worshiping, and she hears the Lord tell her to go do cartwheels across the stage. You're like, that can't be God, right? So she's wrestling with this idea. And then she hears it again. God, God says, go do cartwheels across the stage. So she taps her husband, who's the pastor of the church. He says, hey, so I feel like God's telling me to do cartwheels across the stage. And he's like, did God say to do that? She said, yes. He said, well, you better do it. And there she goes. She does cartwheels across the stage. There's one guy in the congregation that goes, ah, and falls to the ground. So obviously that created a scene. Some of the elders in the church run over to this guy. He's been running from God for a long time. Walked in the church that day and says, God, if you send people, someone going up, doing cartwheels across the stage today, I'll believe in you. Guess what happened? He gave his life to Jesus right? But let me just be honest. She didn't understand why. It was crazy uncomfortable. And when you're pastoring a church that's 250 people, you better believe that if God doesn't show up with a man screaming and giving his life to Jesus, there's going to be a whole lot less people the next day or next week, I should say, right? Because people are like, okay, they do cartwheels across the stage. We're not coming back. But she, by faith, stepped out and did something, and she had no idea what the reaction is going to be. She left the results, so to speak, up to God. In other words, she feared the Lord more than she cared to what other people thought about her or how big the church was. And obviously, so did her husband, because he's the one that said, you better do it if God said it. Right? And all of a sudden, we, we dive into this idea of obedience that I think for far too long in the West, we have decided that we have opportunity to negotiate with God what we obey to do and what we don't. And, and I'm going to say this multiple times. Actually, let me hold on to that till later. If you have your Bibles, I want you to turn to Genesis chapter 22, and we'll read the first 14 verses. There's a lot of scripture tonight, but... Bear with me. This is what the word of God says. After these things, God tested Abram, Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. I just want to point out how quickly Abraham responds to God immediately. Here I am. In other words, God, I'm ready to respond to anything that you have for me is what they're saying here, is what Abraham's response is. I'm ready to do whatever you're asking and he said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah 
and offer him there as a burnt offering on the one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, say early in the morning, saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there to worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So he went, both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they both went, so they both went, so they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order to, and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in the thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place, the Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord, it shall be provided. I just want to point out this thing tonight, right? We don't have a lot of time. How did the angel know that Abraham feared God. We have to ask ourselves the question in a series on the fear of the Lord, what was it that Abraham did that revealed that he feared God? Because I don't know about you, but as we've been in this series, I've been asking God, I want to fear you. Like, I want to rightly revere your name. I want to be a man who walks in quick obedience, right? Like, I don't want to just talk about these things and just let them slide away. Are you following me? I want to live them, right? We, we can't just keep coming to these places and saying, oh, this is good information. No, we're coming to these places to hear information to then transform our life in the way that we walk. And if we're, we're not doing that, then we're we're actually just giving lip service to God. And I don't know about you, but that's not the desire of my heart, right? But I want to live the life that God has called me to live. And I see something about this fear of God that, that man, I need more of in my life. Amen? Anybody with me? And so when I look at this passage of Scripture, I, I can't help but hear the angel shouting out, and, and Abraham, man, like, come on. If there's something I want to hear from God, it would be, man, that you rightly fear my name. So what is it? So I just want to take a few minutes and look at some of these things that we see from, from Abraham's life. If I could find my piece of paper here. But the very first thing we see is that he obeys immediately. The morning, the next morning. Now, I don't know about you, but... <clears throat> If you don't understand this whole story, 
Abraham was, was 75 years old when God made a covenant with him to bless him, that, that the seed of his life would be a blessing to all the nations, right? And, and that be outnumbered the, the stars in the sky, but he's 75 years old when this happens. He's 100 years old when Isaac is born, okay? And he dies at 175. But he's 100 years old when Isaac is born. And we're believing, scholars believe, well, he's definitely north of 12 years old at this point. Some say he's like, I won't even, I, I struggle to even say this because some scholars are like, man, he was like a young man, which could mean he was in his 20s. And, but some say he was a teenager. So we'll go with that. But the next morning, and this is the son of the promise, the seed of the promise, And Abraham, what you don't see Abraham doing is God says, go and and offer him up as a burnt sacrifice, which which you have to understand, too, a burnt sacrifice is not like they're going to burn him alive. No, he's got to be killed and then burnt in front of him. Like, none of this is pretty. By the way, this is a practice of the pagan gods of the time. Like, child sacrifice was normal in the ancient Near East, And Abraham probably is already, like, confused. Like, why would Yahweh ask me to do something that the pagan gods are doing? Listen, there's a whole lot of stuff that we could talk about tonight. But the one thing that is for sure, that after Abraham had been called and walked with God for this many years, he had a a fear of God that moved him to obey immediately. So much so, listen, listen, this is crazy. Because I don't say this is... This is always the way that we do this. But what does he not do? He doesn't consult anybody else. God tells him to do something, and he gets up the next morning, gets his boy, gets some helpers, and he goes for it. And you're like, whoa, that is immediate obedience. Guess what? When you fear the Lord, it moves you to immediate obedience. But when you don't fear the Lord, you think you have the right to pray about it for another three months. And then we over-spiritualize our disobedience. And we feel spiritual about it, right? We were like, well, at least I'm praying about it. Why are you praying about that thing for the last three years that God told you to do three years ago? But somehow in the church, this is the way we've started to live. Like, it's okay as long as I pray about it. No, when God speaks, we go. And then this is why we we actually don't have a healthy fear of God in the West, because we over-spiritualize our disobedience. He obeyed immediately. I, I just, I don't know. I mean, I have to, you have to, especially when you have children, like, this is one of those things you're like, are you serious? Even if it was a normal custom of that culture, it was not a normal custom of Yahweh. I mean, this is radical. This is what we call radical obedience. God, help me. I want to be a man that's found to walk in radical obedience. The second thing you see is, I believe Abraham obeys even though he doesn't understand. So he obeys immediately, but he also obeys even though he doesn't fully understand. There will be times in your life where God is going to call you to obedience and you may not fully understand. But the people that fear God obey beyond understanding. 
Has God ever asked you, like the woman pastor who is, did the cartwheels across the stage, there are moments in our life where God will ask us to do something, and all, we're, all He's looking for is men and women that will be obedient, not only obedient when we get the right result. Are you following me? Some of us, we want to know the outcome before we even step out in obedience. We want to know the full revelation before we step out in obedience. And, and God is looking for people that actually have healthy faith and actually have a fear of God to actually move them to that place. Are you following me? And, and, and so we're, we're looking for the, the full understanding. You know, guys, I was at the University of Virginia for five years. Chi Alpha there was blowing up like 400 plus right? 400 plus. And God told me to leave that place and come to Virginia Tech. Guys, when I put the sign of the hokey bird up on the, the stage announcing that I was leaving, guess what happened? Boo! So I left it up there the whole time I preached. But, but here's the thing, right? Like here I am, I gave my life for five years to reach Wahoos. And God called me from that place and told me to come here. I had no idea what to expect. I didn't know what, was gonna, what, what would ever happen. Would anybody ever be reached? I'm coming alone with my family, my wife and my almost one-year-old son. I have no understanding. All I know is God told me to go. I didn't know how he was going to provide. I didn't know any of the, the fullness of the story. I just knew that we were called to go, and, and here we are 15 years later. He provided. Some people's lives have been changed. Some people are living in other nations because they met Jesus at Virginia Tech. I couldn't tell you that was going to happen. I believe for it. But you just never know. But I didn't understand why God would ask me to leave something that was going on. There was like some really good things. Why he would make a staff team smaller by taking me out of it. Are you following me? We don't always understand. I mean, Isaac was the seed of the promise. Why would God ask Abraham to sacrifice him? Let me just say this. I believe God asks him to sacrifice the seed of the promise because God was looking for a man that would only worship the promiser, not the promise. And sometimes we, as the church, actually live for God more for what he can do for us than, than who he is. And if you live that way, you won't be able to walk in obedience when you don't understand. Thirdly, I believe he obeyed through the pain. How many days journey? Three. <laughs> now, there's one thing if God says, hey, I want you to take your son. I mean, Abraham could have been like, God, can we just do this here? Like, can we just do this right here? Because it'd be a whole lot easier if we just had to do it immediately. But man, for three days, what do you think is running through a man's mind for three days walking with a child that is at least 12 years old? At least at this point. For three days thinking, God has asked me to offer him up as a burnt sacrifice, which means I'm, I'm taking his life. There is no way, after waiting 25 years, 
for this promise to even be born, for every step to be easy. In fact, I would argue that every step he took, it got more difficult, more difficult. There was, there was the pain of the reality of obedience that he obeyed through because he feared the Lord. There are some things in life that, that God is going to ask of you. I remember, again, just, and listen, it, I think this is funny, but my parents were not excited when I first told them that I felt God calling me to missions. And I probably didn't handle it the best way, you know, because I would have conversation with them about, well, it could be overseas missions. <laughs> I'm only going to be a few hours away versus 20 on an airplane. You know what I'm saying? But I'm going to be honest. There's a lot of things that got thrown at me after God started calling me into, into missions, right? My parents were not super excited. They didn't want me to leave home. They wanted me to stay in the area. Their dream for me was like to grow up in the town I grew up in, have kids in the town I grew up in, you know, all of those things. But, but guess what? My parents' dreams for my life are not God's dreams for my life. But that's not easy. And that's not even comfortable. But let me just tell you right now, because I have kids, every one of your parents has dreams for your life. Every one of your parents has an idea of who you should be and what they hope you to be. But I'm so glad that God often has bigger dreams than our own parents. Another, another aspect of pain is sometimes following God causes you to give up stuff that you think is rightfully yours. Come on. Abraham could have been like, no, God, we've been through so much together, but this is, this is a little bit much you really going to ask me to give this up? But he doesn't have that conversation. After I got called into ministry, my high school, I went to college to be a PE teacher. I wanted to coach soccer for the rest of my life. My high school called me. They were going to make a position for me. They had no more room for another PE teacher, but they were just going to make a position for me so that I could be hired so that they could keep me so that when the next guy retires in three years, I'd, I'd already be in. I was already offered the head wrestling, the varsity wrestling coaching job, and my, my coach from my soccer team was about to retire in three years. They were already telling me that I'm in line. That was my, that's why I went to college. That was my parents' dream. That was an aspect of my dream. And I remember my assistant coach driving me out. Uh, we used to go deep sea fishing in the ocean in Jersey, and <clears throat> he took me for one more trip. And on the way out, he's like, what are you doing? Why would you do this? I said, I know you don't understand, but God called me, and so therefore I cannot take this job but it's painful. It didn't mean it was easy. Obedience through the pain. Lastly, 
and the band can come back. He obeyed to completion. Do you know that partial obedience is an obedience? But Abraham obeyed, obeyed to completion, and we know this because he bound his son. I don't know what you guys, when I'm thinking about this story, I'm like, this guy was so radical beyond me. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what does it look like to bind your son after he's asked, Dad, I see the fire and the wood, but where's the lamb? And then he get up there and he's made the altar and he's like, come on over here, boy. You know, he starts tying him up. Dad, what are you doing? You don't think they had conversation? Right? Like, well, you're the lamb. I mean, I don't know if you think about that, but that's just, it's just crazy to me. But Abraham went through with it. And I don't know what that conversation will look like. I don't know how many tears they cried as the process was happening. But I bet you there's no way. There's just no way there was no tears through this process. And he lays them down on the wood. And he says what? He grabs the knife and he holds it up. He was going to go through all the way. But the angel of the Lord spoke from heaven. Now I, now I know. Friends, there will be things in your life that God calls you to do that will not be easy. And there will be moments where you want to just throw in the towel because that's the easiest thing to do. But when you fear the Lord, you obey to completion. You see, we grew up in a culture where we even get celebrated if we obey just a little bit. And we're, we, we see people settle for less than what we're really even asked to do. But God is looking for people that fear him. that will walk in obedience to completion. Friends, when I look out on, our, on your generation, I have so much hope. I have so much hope for the gospel to reach the ends of the earth. But there's one thing that I think stands in the way And it's a lack of the fear of the Lord. And I don't think it's even, it's not your fault. It's because we just don't talk about it. I don't know if you've ever heard this phrase. When the going get tough, the tough get going. There's this idea that if it's hard, it must not be the Lord. If, God, if, if God's really in it, why would it be difficult? Friends, one day you'll get to sit down if you're faithful to the end with Abraham and ask him, was that easy? 
No, that was the most difficult test of his life. You better believe it. And he brought it to completion. There's some people in this room that God is going to call. to be extremely missional in places that don't want to hear about Jesus. Accounting firms don't want to hear about Jesus. Engineering firms don't want to hear about Jesus. Your professors, they don't want to hear about Jesus. But is there a group of people that would fear the Lord enough to walk in obedience to be the mouthpiece? But then there's people in this room that are going to be called to go to the Middle East where they don't want to hear about Jesus. To go to the continent of Africa where they don't want to hear about Jesus. To go to the secular nations of Europe where they don't want to hear about Jesus. Guys, we'll never get there if we don't have a healthy fear of God. We won't obey to completion. We won't obey through the pain. We won't obey when we don't understand. And we won't obey immediately. If fearing the Lord looks like obeying the Lord immediately, obeying when we don't understand, obeying through the pain, and obeying to completion, then the opposite is also true. That if we recognize in our life today that we don't fear the Lord because we don't obey immediately. We don't obey if we don't understand. We will not obey if there's pain involved. And we, have, we will not obey until completion. There's a lack of the fear of the Lord in our life. Having a right understanding of who God is, He's so worthy of all of it. What's so interesting about this son, this, this story, is that Abraham was asked to give up his one and only son whom he loved. He took a three-day journey to a mountain where his son was to be sacrificed. It didn't happen that day, but there was another day 
where another son climbed a mountain with some wood on his back. And he was not spared. His name was Jesus, and he died on a cross. He was in the ground for three days. He came, came alive. The tomb is empty. So that you and I can be forgiven. You and I can know this God intimately. So before we respond to the fear of the Lord, there may be people in this room that don't have a right relationship with God. And if you're here today and you recognize you need to have a right relationship with God, that you want to accept Jesus Christ to be the Lord and Savior of your life, I just want you to go ahead and slip up your hand. If you're here today and you recognize This is a decision you want to make. Go ahead. Anyone here tonight that would say, I want to be right with Jesus when I leave this room? Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else? Anybody else would say, that's me. I want to, I want to be right with Jesus when I walk out of this room. Thank you. Come on. Thank you. Thank you. Anybody else? Anybody else would say this is this is the night. This is the day that I want to get right with God. I want to start this intimate relationship with Jesus. Is there anyone else? Maybe one more. Let's everybody stand together. We're going to pray this prayer together. <clears throat> and listen, if, if you didn't raise your hand, but you recognize like, man, I really, I really want to know God like this, then I encourage you to just join us in this prayer as a family and then let somebody else know. So we're going to pray this prayer together. I just want you to repeat after me, and then we're going to call for a response for the fear of the Lord. Jesus, thank you for loving me, for giving your life for mine. Today, I recognize my need for you. Would you forgive me for living for myself? Today, I want to live for you. Jesus, would you be the Lord and Savior of my life? And give me the grace to follow you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you raise your hand, we have uh, Bibles for you over in the Connection Corner. We'd love to put that in your hand.
tonight. For the rest of us, I think if we recognize today that this seeing Jesus rightly and worthy of our immediate obedience, obedience when we don't understand, obedience through the pain, and obedience to completion. And maybe perhaps there's some of us in this room where all four of those things we find are, are a struggle to walk out in. Guys, I'm just going to open up the altars. You're welcome to come down and get on our face. And, and what do you do? What well, we repent because I, I don't know about you, but I want my life to be one that fears the Lord, that moves me to immediate obedience, that I don't try to negotiate with God. I don't I, don't, I, I mean, I can't even believe Abraham doesn't even ask questions. He just goes for it. And I'm not, I don't believe God's going give, to give you that size of a test tomorrow. Right? Like you see in this, this passage of Scripture, it says, after these things. So some of you may be like reserved on like response because I don't know if I want to go all in like that. But God took Abraham through a journey, right, from... We know at 75 to he's at least 112, 113, 114, 115, something like that at these years. So he's had a lot of time to walk with God. And I'm just encouraging that the heart cry is, God, I want to fear you. I want to grow in the fear of the Lord, that I would move from hesitancy to delayed obedience to immediate obedience. You know what I'm saying? That, that we would allow Jesus and tell Jesus today, right? Like, I want to live that way. That even when I don't understand, I want to be a, a son that obeys his father because he knows what's best for me. And even when it hurts, God, I could trust in your faithfulness. And God, that you would give me the endurance to obey to completion. For some of us in this room, there's, God's been speaking to us and, and dealing with us for a long time about certain things. And if he's been dealing with you with something, you have to ask yourself the question. <laughs> what is it that I'm holding on to? Because God is asking you to get rid of something in your life. God, help me to walk to obedience. Help us to see sin rightly. God, only, only when we have a fear of the Lord do we love what you love and hate what you hate. And for some of us in this room, we've been, we've been okay with walking the line of sin. We've been okay with with what we would call small sin. But our God is holy, and He's looking for a generation that will be holy as He is holy. And so, God, forgive us. 
Come on, God, forgive us. Forgive us, Jesus. For not revering your name rightly. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, that there's room for repentance. God, thank you, God, that tonight I could walk out of this room changed. God, I want to fear you. I want to have a healthy fear of you. God, would you baptize us in a healthy fear that moves us to immediate obedience? God, would you baptize us in a healthy fear, God, that moves us to obey even when we don't understand? God, would you baptize us in a holy fear that moves us to obedience even through the pain? God, would you move us to obedience, God, a fear of the Lord that, that walks through obedience all the way to completion? God, would you do that in our hearts and in our lives, God? Would you come? Would you come? Would you come, God? Would you come, God, forgive us, forgive us, forgive us for making excuses for our disobedience. God, forgive us for, for settling, God, for less than righteousness. God, forgive us tonight, God, and set a holy fear upon your people. God, set a holy fear upon your people. God, the things that I look at, the things that I listen to, God, that it would be honoring to you, God that it would be honoring to you. Come on, in Jesus' name. God, forgive me. Forgive me. God, forgive me, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Hallelujah. Thank you for tuning in to the Ignite Sessions podcast. To learn more about Virginia Tech Chi Alpha, please follow us on Instagram and Facebook. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to share it using the hashtag TheIgniteSessions. We'll see you next time.